Well, that's such a great reminder. Let's pray uh, as we start off our service here today. Just a, a prayer of just thankfulness for that is who God is. God, we thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are a way maker. You're a miracle worker. You've never changed. And, and Lord, we thank you that even in the year that we've all been through in this last year, God, that we just need to be reminded of that truth, that you're still present, you're still at work, and uh, you're doing things that maybe sometimes we don't see in our own hearts, in our own lives, and the people around us. And God, so I thank you for being who you are and for that reminder. And we ask this morning, God, that you would meet us where we are. And some of us this morning are here, we're feeling anxiety, maybe some feeling depressed, maybe some are feeling just overwhelming joy. Some have fears and doubts, all kinds of emotions that we're here, God, but meet us where we are and be who you are, and that's what we need this morning. So we thank you. We give you this time in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, you may have a seat. Well, good morning, everybody. So great to have you with us here today uh, at Seacoast. I want to welcome you. My name is Ryan. It is my joy and privilege to serve here as the lead pastor. And uh, if you are a guest with us here today, I want to invite you or, or I want to thank you for being here. I hope you feel welcome. And if you are a guest, you, we'd love to know uh, who you are so that we can get to know you. And it's not so we have bigger lists of people to keep track of. It's not so we have a mailing list or email spam. Uh, we want to know you and to journey with you. So there's a couple ways you can do that. If you're a guest, we have connect cards. They're located in the seats for those of you in person. If you fill that out, you can bring it to the guest services table out in the plaza right after the service. We'd love to meet you face to face. Um, or you can always online or here uh, go on respond.church. Just respond.church and you'll find a connect card there and let us know you're here. We'll follow up with that. And as well as if there's any prayer requests or anything you have, we take that serious. We want to pray for you, with you, and kind of journey with you. So uh, if you're a guest, thank you, and, and we look forward to meeting you. Now, this morning is a little bit of a different morning than, an, than a normal Sunday morning. This is actually, we used to call this our annual business meeting. Now, now when you hear that, don't you just think like, I'm so grateful I picked today to be here. Business meeting sounds awesome. Uh, and, and actually, it really is because it's not a business meeting. This is really our day. It's our vision Sunday where we review and say, what is God calling us to? And after 2020, you guys remember that year? Yeah. So after this last year, uh, we've talked about it, but the temptation was to say, I just want life to get back to February 2020. Anyone with me on that? Yeah, you say that at least once in the last 14 months. We kind of, that, that's the temptation to say, God, we just want to get back to the way things were. And we just had a strong sense that God was saying, really? Why? Why don't you get to what I'm calling you to? Forget about where you were, and let's talk about where we're going. And so that's really what today is about. So uh, we're going to share with you some of the things that we've been praying about, some of the things that we believe God's inviting us to even in the next five years. So if you're a guest, this is actually the best Sunday to show up for because you get to know who we are and what we're about. And the sermon is broken up, so it's not one chunk, which that's always good too, right? Amen? Yeah. All right. So Anyway, so uh, we're glad to he have you here, and that's what this morning's about. But before we even talk about where we're going, we just want to show you a quick little slideshow of the year we just got through here at Seacoast. So if you guys are ready, we're ready.
so fun to be able to look back and see that, hey, even in a year like 2020, God's still on the move and doing things uh, not just through staff, but doing things through you. And so I want to thank you for being a part of Seacoast and being a part of a lot of those stories and a lot of those photos. Uh, it, it's, it's really a joy, and sometimes it's a good reminder to say, oh yeah, not everything in the last year has been awful, right? Not everything. God has done a lot of things, and there's been a lot of good we can be grateful for. So it's fun to look back. Hey, so this morning, we want to just remind you of a few things, because some of you, maybe you've been at Seacoast a while, and sometimes you think, well, what is a church about? Now, I have to admit, when I first became a Christian, and when I would attend a church, I never once asked, I wonder what this church's purpose is. And I never once asked, like, I wonder what they're about. I just said, oh, that was a cool song today. So that was kind of, or that sermon was good. That was my extent. But we want to tell you that there is reason for what we do. So I want to remind you of our purpose as a church. And it's up here for you. Our purpose, why we do what we do is this. We exist to help people discover life in Jesus and learn to follow him. Or we like to say, learn to walk in his ways. Because once we're in Christ, we believe that we're new creations. And we're learning how to walk in this new life. So this is our purpose, why we exist. Now, I hope that every church that you've ever attended who believes in Jesus has a similar purpose. I hope that they would say, we want you to meet Jesus and learn what it looks like to live your life in him. I hope so. And, and mostly, I think most of them probably do. They may say it differently. You might say, well, why do you care? Why, like, why do we exist for that? And that's a question we don't always ask. Why is this our purpose? Why do we want people to discover life in Christ? Why don't we just let people do their own thing and live their own life? But we believe, the why behind that is we believe that following Jesus and living your life in Christ is the best way to live. Because we believe that's how we're created. That God has created all of us, his people, and he loves us. And there's, we're created in the image of God, so we have the mark of God on us. And apart from him, there's something missing. Look around and we see fractured relationships. We see uh, pain in this world and brokenness. And it's all a result of our not walking in the life that we've been given by our creator. And so the mission of God, ever since sin entered the world, is to bring people back to him, to restore those relationships. In, in the Hebrew word, it's this shalom, getting us back to the sense of peace. And it's not just peace, like, oh, we don't, we don't fight. But shalom is this active presence of completeness. It's God saying, this is who you're meant to be. In fact, in the word for perfection or completeness in Hebrew is related to shalom. It's shalem. And they're all together saying, this is how it is supposed to be. So we believe that a life in Christ is how we're created to live. That's why we want people to discover life in him. And we believe that that life is good news for you, not just for eternity, but for today. Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, in John 14, 6. He said that. That's why it's part of our purpose. We believe that in Jesus, there's the truth. It's the life. It's the way. So that's why we exist. And again, we believe that that's good news for everyone. Now, how does that apply in our church? We want to be, and this will be a little bit I, we want to talk through this for a moment. We want to be a multiplying church that's re reaching future generations for Christ. We want to be a church that's expanding. Now, when we say that, most people say, pastors always want their church to grow. It makes them feel better. We have our friends. We like our church. Why do we want to be a church that's growing? 
because that's going to mess up my world. Come on, be honest. Some of you think that. And pastors always want to have the church growing. I actually have been in ministry long enough and have worked at some large churches and some small churches. And to be honest, the bigger the church is, the more complex it is and the more problems there are. So I like, a, I like something I can contain too. <laughs> but every time I think about this, and I sometimes hesitate saying, oh, we want to be a multiplying church. We want to be expanding. I keep thinking, well, what is the kingdom of God? What's God's heart? We have this verse from Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. I have it for you on the screen. It says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It grows into the largest of plants and becomes a tree so the birds of the air can rest in its branches. See, the vision that Jesus gives us in scripture is it's about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is those people who are loyal to Jesus, who are reclaiming God's earth for him. We're agents of reconciliation. We're bringing the truth and the compassion and the grace and the justice and the mercy and all these things that are part of a life in Christ. That's part of being a part of the kingdom of God. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that grows into this giant bush, this tree. And notice the end of it. The birds of the field can rest or find shade in its branches. The vision is as the kingdom of God expands, it's not a conquering kingdom that is bringing destruction, but it's bringing refuge. It's a place where people can be restored, where they find hope, where people find purpose. And when I think about the world we live in, what does our world need more than refuge? What does it need more than hope, more than purpose? The kingdom of God as a place, as we live the life that Christ has already made true in us and reclaim this world for God. We're not doing it to conquer in a destructive force, but we're doing it to reclaim and welcome more in to the refuge of Jesus Christ. Amen? You with me on that? I hope you are, because that's what today's about. So the kingdom of God, we want to be a church that's multiplying. So what does that look like? What are we multiplying? And, and we do have a vision. We'll talk about it later on. Just throw some things out. We do want to, in the future, as we grow, that we have a vision to multiply, add new campuses, because we believe in being locally uh, set up. But what are we multiplying? There's three things we've talked about before. Home, family, and movement. That's our kind of our DNA, our structure. So here's the first one. We are home for those lost and wandering in their faith. Another way I like to think about it is those searching for God or those far from God. You may be here right now and say, oh, that's me. I'm far from God, or I'm searching for God, or I'm lost. Although many, before they meet Jesus, don't say you're lost. Some maybe have just wandered away from the faith. We want to be a home for you. We talk about this often. And when we say that, what we really mean is we want everyone who comes and is in with us to feel like you can belong before you believe. As, come as you are. And you'll find a family of people who love you as you are. Now, a lot of churches, there's, there's a, a Babylon Bee. Anyone know of Babylon Bee? It's kind of a satirical news site. It's like a Christian onion, if you are familiar with that. And they had a tweet that went out this year, and it said, Pastor says to his congregation, come as you are, and immediately regrets it. <laughs> Sometimes we, if people come as they are, as your friends come as they are, as the people in our community come as they are, sometimes we think, oh, okay, that gets messy. 
But that's exactly what, the, what Jesus welcomes in. In fact, Jesus says this in Luke chapter 5, verse 32. He answered the Pharisees and said, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. The heart of our Lord and Savior is for those who've wandered from the faith or who have no faith. And he wants to invite all in. He comes for the sinners. So that's who we want to be for. A home for the lost and wandering. And that's for all of us to be a part of. So couple things to think about. What is, how are we going to apply this into the future? So a future picture of what we're praying about over the next five years. Don't be too jarred by this because if you haven't heard these before, you might think, wow, are we going for this? Here's what we're going to go for. Future picture. Here's a few things we're praying about. We're praying that we believe God wants, we, we're praying for 500 decisions for Christ. Does God say, yeah, I want 500 at this church? We're just saying, let's pray for this and seek after that. 500 decisions for Christ in five years. Some of you are thinking, hmm, you can't make people become Christians. You're right, we can't. Some of you are thinking, why are you putting a number on it? That's too high. Some of you are thinking, 500, is that all you believe God can do? The funny thing is, this number kept coming up as we were praying about it, and I was praying about it thinking, Lord, really? That scares me. 500 decisions for Christ? Baptism's a part of that, really? And then I really felt like God was asking me this, well, what number do you think I would write down, Ryan? If you were to ask God, say, God, how many people do you, do you want to see become followers of you? What number would he write? All. So scripture says that he desires that no one will perish, but all come to a knowledge of him. So really, 500 is selling God short. But we're praying for that. And the reason we are is because we're, we're going to challenge you to have five people in your lives that you're praying for consistently who do not know, yet know Jesus. Look for opportunities to have spiritual conversations with them. If it's your, if what's comfortable for you, invite them to your home. Invite them to a meal. Maybe invite them to a service. But so we're praying for this. God's the one who's going to do this, not us, but there's things we can do to open the door. The other one is this. We want to double the amount of people that are part of Seacoast. This and at, but here's the thing. I want you to hear this. If we grow too big, that's when we are going to plant a new campus somewhere. If we have 200 people coming here from San Alejo, San Marcos, we're going to say it's time to expand to San Alejo because we want to be a blessing in our local community. So we have a goal of not being a mega church, okay? That is our goal. We want to be big enough to do things that God wants us to do, but we want to be small enough to journey with you and care for as many as possible, and we want to be locally present. So that's our goal. And a part of that will be we have a dream of planting one new campus and one new venue in the next five years. Told you it's a little bit of a business meeting. What's a campus? A campus would be saying, hey, we're going to take some of our staff. We're going to start a new campus somewhere. They're still connected to Seacoast. Our teaching team, uh, there will be a campus pastor, but our teaching team will still be a little bit interchangeable to the other campuses. So that's what we mean by that. A venue, I'm glad you asked what that is. That's something that we would say, well, kind of like outdoor venue right now would be a venue. It's a worship gathering on campus, but it looks a little different than in here. And here's our biggest new thing for the next year. We have one new venue we're planting this year. You've heard us talk a little bit about it, but here's the plan. We've been actually working on this for a couple of years, but this year we're launching a Spanish language venue. It's coming up in this year. So what does that mean for us? That means on Sunday mornings, during one of our services, maybe eventually both, that we are going to have a Spanish language venue. There'll be a worship service that's conducted in Spanish. Worshiping in Spanish, teaching in Spanish. 
We're hiring a pastor who will be a part of that ministry who is on the Seacoast staff team. He's one of your pastors. If you speak English or Spanish, he's one of your pastors. That pastor will be conducting a venue in where it was currently the high school room. We're going to be upgrading that, kind of remodeling it into a multi-purpose room. And it will meet while we meet. Why would we do that? Here's the reason. We don't want to have this be a separate church. We're not launching a Hispanic church. This is Seacoast. It's a ministry of Seacoast. The kids and the students who are part of the Spanish language venue actually will integrate into the English speaking. The parents can choose where they want to be, but they are part of our family. Volunteers from, the volu- for, from that service are volunteers part of yours. We're going to have our worship team will be mixed. Some will be over there because you can play the guitar in Spanish or English. <laughs> We want to be integrated. The reason we're doing it while we do our Sunday morning services because we don't want to say, hey, this is separate. You're not really part of us, but you can use our building. It's no, no, no. We are one. And we believe that the picture of the kingdom of God is every tribe and language and color of skin together worshiping the Lord. Amen? That is what the kingdom of God is about. So this is what we're launching this year. Really exciting that the church association we're a part of, the EFCA, has 20 churches in the West Coast doing the same thing. Our pastor will be a part of a cohort of other pastors who are doing the very same thing. They're actually going to help us fund this for two years. We felt like the Lord is saying this is the time. We've been working on this for like five or six years, and God's saying now is the time. So that's our biggest thing that we're doing that's coming up. This is all part of being a home for the lost and wandering, reaching our community. And I'm excited, and it's going to bring some new complexity to the church. And it's so exciting because complexity, because if it's a bigger picture of the kingdom of God, is exciting to me. Hope it's exciting to you. So we're going to sing a worship song. But before we do, I want to invite up, come on up, mi hermano Gabe Calzada and his daughter, Audrey. And they are going to... Yeah, Gabe is one of our elders, and they are going to pray for our new Spanish uh, venue and and ministry. I want to invite you to stand with them in solidarity as a church together. Don't be surprised if you don't understand the whole prayer. Good morning, good morning, everybody. As you know, I'm not a pastor, okay? (laughs) So, but I am here today because I love Jesus, and I love our community, and we're going to pray. Right, Eliana? Mm -hmm. All right. So, Dios... Yo rezo ahora pensando en Isaías 43, que nos amas por nombre. Dios, yo rezo por nuestra familia Seacoast, que tenemos muchas culturas aquí, muchos lenguajes, pero que nos amas por nosotros. Dios, yo rezo, yo rezo que crecemos nuestra familia y Cuídanos nuestro en este año. Dios, rezo que tenemos más amigos. Amén. We're going to continue on here. Uh, this is so great to be together with you guys. My name is Matt, and I uh, oversee our life groups, our young adults, and uh, just a privilege to be a part of this team and be a part of what God is doing here at Seacoast. Uh, so that the, as Ryan mentioned, there's home, family, and movement, and the, I'm going to just cover really quickly the family piece. Uh, we say that we dream of being a family of disciples being transformed by the good news of Jesus. And I just want to mention two things, two things here 
so, so that we don't, we don't make any assumptions here. But the, the first thing is that the content of what we believe transforms us. That's the first thing. And we believe without uh, any apologies that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms us. You see, there's a thousand different things that this world offers us to say, hey, this can make you a better you. This can really increase. This can make you a changed person. And we are saying, no, 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 no. It is the gospel that changes. It is the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us, what he's done to us, and what he wants to do through us. That is what changes and transforms us. And so that's when we think about being a disciple or being a family of disciples, being transformed. And remember, like the content of what transforms, it is the gospel and the gospel alone that transforms us. But check this out. It also happens in a context. So you see, it's the content of the gospel, but there's also the context, and that is the context of community. That God, when he designed this whole thing, when he he put this plan together, he said, you're going to change and transform, not just being with me by yourself. It's not just me and you. It's going to be you and me and us. I'm putting you in a family, and it's through this family that you are going to learn more about my grace You're going to learn more about my love for you because of the proximity that you have in relationship to others. That's God's plan. I love Sunday mornings. I love this gathering. But there's a whole world of growth and diving deeper and deeper into God's grace that happens in the context of community. Now, I can sit up here and talk forever and ever about this. But this morning, what I wanted you to do is hear about the value of community and what God does in his transforming work through a story. And it's not going to be me telling the story. It's going to be my buddy Nick Shoemaker. Uh, he's going to come up here in a second. When I first met Nick, my first impression of him was, this guy, let me tell you this guy. He, when you meet Nick, he's like, this guy is confident, he's competent, and very independent. That kind of person bothers me. <laughs> because it, it means that I have no role in your life. You don't need anything from anybody. You have it all together. You're doing just great. And for whatever reason, though, our hearts were endeared. I've come to love him as a brother, and I love what God's doing in his life, and I want him to come up here and share that with you. Thanks so much, Matt. Um, hi, my name's Nick, uh, as Matt <laughs> introduced me. Um, I'm going to share a story that's very deeply personal um, and probably something in the past I would have never shared um, with uh, an individual, let alone with all of you. Um, and it starts back in January, and there are a lot of different, you know, uh, contexts to this story. But in January, I uh, woke up on a Monday morning, um, and I just felt this tightness in my chest as I started to work. And my job uh, that I do is is pretty stressful. There's a lot of different components to it. Um, but uh, I was, I'd never felt anything like this before. And all day, it felt like somebody had their, their hands around my throat and uh, pressing in my chest. And it uh, turned out, you know, that lasted all day. And I, at the nighttime, I kind of uh, settled down a little bit and I woke up the next morning at 4.50 and I wake up at 4.50 every morning. Um, and I couldn't move. And I was paralyzed uh, in bed and I didn't know what was going on. I felt just this massive oppression, and I didn't know what to do. I couldn't think straight. And like a flash of lightning, um, I'd close my eyes and my eyes, an hour and a half had gone by, and I was fine. And I wanna, I'm gonna take a pause here for a second, because I think God equips us 
with four things as we are working through this world. Our identity, the Holy Spirit, scripture, and community. And I can frame this story. This, I mean, this story has changed me as a person, uh, what I'm about to walk through. But I want to frame this in the frame of community because the community showed up in a huge way for me in a place where I had never needed it in the past. So I tried to uh, look at that as a moment in time and say, well, that'll never happen again. I've never dealt with anxiety before, and I'm pretty fine. So I'll just ignore it, uh, and it'll probably go away. And uh, luckily, I had a buddy, Matt Jarvanen, who I lift with every morning. Um, he comes over, and he's in my DNA group. He's in my community group as well. And we started to talk about this, and we started to try to identify what's going on. And through this, and, and please hear the names that I'm saying, because this is the community aspect of this. Right? I meet with Bill Buchanan on a regular basis as we are doing discipleship together. And I'm talking through these things with these people and identifying. I'm working with Matt Carlson. We meet constantly. And we're talking through these things that are like I'm scared of. And I don't really know, you know what is happening. And so as I get there, I am um, working through this, I, this uh, false identity that I have that I'm starting to uncover that I have this savior mentality. Everything that I've ever done in my life, I've been able to do easily. I've, I've climbed big mountains and I've done a lot of different things for where I'm at in my career, with my family, my friends. And as much as I've been able to point to Jesus as the center of that, I, I, I thought I could do it myself. It was me and then Jesus, right? Me, like Jesus did it back then, but I'm doing it now. And I started to wrestle with that. And when I started to wrestle with that, I started to see the world as it really was. Um, I started to search for you know, different ways and kind of context, and I found this quote by Blaise Pascal that I think really captures where my heart was. When I see the blind and wretched state of men, when I survey the whole universe in its deadness, and man left to himself with no light, as though lost in this corner of the universe without knowing who put him there, what he has to do or what will become of him when he dies, incapable of knowing anything, I am moved to terror, terror. Like a man transported in his sleep to some terrifying desert island who wakes up quiet, lo quite lost with no means of escape. Then I marvel that so wretched a state does not drive people to despair. And let me tell you, it drove me to despair. As I looked around and started to identify what I was seeing in this world outside of Jesus that came and did it all, I was in terror. And through this, I started to search around for what, what do I truly believe? And so as I'm meeting with Bill, as I'm going through a DNA group, I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with these concepts and I am mo being moved further and further into terror. So through a couple months of that, I then started to have daily, and they, they varied in frequency and intensity, uh, panic attacks every day. That was, I was incapacitated. And I've never struggled with anxiety. I've never not been able to do things. And I found myself every day, luckily working from home, uh, my wife who's in her third trimester trying to take care of two kids and homeschool them, I'm on the couch shaking and trembling thinking through how broken this world is. And I can't, I can't work. I, I can't do anything. And I'm so scared that I'm not going to be able to provide for my family. I'm so scared 
about what's going to happen to this world, and I don't know what to do. And so through that, I'm understanding now that I was under attack, as we all are. I was in a place where I was left with question about, I kept hearing, who do you say that I am? In a real way. So out of that, uh, you know, I, I really started to gravitate to community and really laying myself out and letting people know this is where I'm at. Started with my wife, who I've never let really take care of me. But I had to, because I had nowhere else to go. I let it, my small group in, Matt Carlson, Matt Jarvanen, who took care of me, Bill Buchanan, who stood beside me, these people who were there for me. And I started to see the enemy's strategies, deception, temptation, intimidation, and accusation. And they came in different combinations, and tell you what, and they came strong. But then I knew in Ephesians 6.10 through 13, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Don't, don't be mistaken of what, what we're all going through, what you all have felt this year. This is not just a story about me, it's about all of us and what we've walked through. How bad, this, how bad does this world feel like it is right now? It's going to hell in a handbasket, isn't it? But there is power in our community, and there is power in Jesus Christ. Strong power. So through that, there's been a number of different things that uh, I've come to understand. But there was a moment in time that I, and I, so the couple things about me. One, I have an allergic reaction to worship music for whatever reason. Um, it's a pride thing. I know that. I know that. Um, and I, uh, I don't really have emotions for the most part. Um, at least I didn't. Um, my wife calls me a robot. It's pretty true. But I, on, on the way to small groups, we were going to, to small group and, and with all the men uh, on, of our small group. Um, and I, for whatever reason, I get in the car after these weeks of oppression. And I mean, this isn't stopping, and I don't know when it's going to end. And I'm scared. And after, I have a moment of clarity. And I, for whatever reason, I'm driving a small group, and I put on Waymaker that we sang today. And I wept for five minutes straight as I drove to small group. And I was overcome by this power that Jesus loves me so much that he, t he, he takes care of everything. And even when I don't see it, he's working. And even when I don't feel it, he's working. And as I was under that deep oppression, and, that, and it didn't stop there, it, it continued on, and there's more details to the, to the story that I won't be able to share today, but I was confident and confirmed in my conviction that Christ has done it, that the climax of this world isn't today, and it's not happening in the future, but it happened 2,000 years ago. And we live in that Easter reality, in this post-pandemic world, that we live in God's kingdom. He sits on the throne. His name is above every name. And in that reality is where I sit today. And it's allowed me to have a loose grip on things. 
Great faith, like great strength in general, is revealed by the ease of its workings. And my faith has been strengthened, not by my own accord, but by what Jesus has done and my deeper conviction in that. And that would be impossible without the community that surrounded me to speak into me. I remember very distinctly Matt, Matt Carlson sitting, it was my son's birthday. I'm, I, am, I can't even look people in the eye because I'm just in a, in a way. And he looked me square in the eye and he said, this will end and God will use this. And I look back on that and I hear Jesus in that. Not Matt Carlson, I hear Jesus speaking to me in that. And that's the power of community. And I didn't just wander into it. It took some work. It took some, you know, prepping. And we had to prepare. Before I was in that warfare, I had to prepare a little bit ahead of time. And that was taking a couple steps of getting involved and, and letting myself be open to that. So. See, God's plan for you and I is not that we would sweat it out for 80 years trying to keep ourselves together, trying to keep it all looking good. No, his plan is to allow us to unravel at times and to allow people to come in and love us. It's really a life of dependency. That's his plan for us, dependent on him and one another. And I, lo I love that story. You see, people may admire you, they may respect you, they may look up to you, they may say great things about you, about you, but there is zero way for them to love you if they don't know you. And so love is the process of meeting needs. You taught me that. Love is the process of meeting needs. And until those needs come out, there's really no way for us to love one another. There's no way for us to experience God's grace. And that's what I love about community. That's God's design for us, that we would experience the tangible love and grace of him, the Father, through one another. And so, really, the call to action is we want, this is not a, hey, man, get, get involved, get connected to a group. Like it's, it's a lifeline. And I love what Nick said, he did he, the things that he did before the wartime hit, you know, getting connected into a group. Who knows what's coming down the line for each of us? But we have Christ sitting on his throne and we have one another. He's got, and Christ dwells in us. And so the call is, I really want to encourage you to prayerfully consider joining a group. Joining a group. We usually do a big kickoff in the fall. And so if you need some time to think and process, like, do that. There's also some groups that are starting this summer. We don't take a break from the community. <laughs> so I want to encourage you there. And, and as far as a big goal for us, we would love that one day, maybe a year from now, that there would be 80% of people who seek us home, that there would be 80% of us connected in groups. That would be fantastic. Right now we're hovering right around 60%. Praise God for that. That's where we want to go. And I love that we get to do this together. All right, we want to point your attention to the screens. We have a video from one of our young seacoasters who's going to share a little bit about her story as we transition into the movement section. Hi, my name is Zelda Stapleton, and I'm doing a second grade passion project. Is making a new ice cream flavor. So what I'm supposed to do 
is I'm supposed to like make a new ice cream. At first I saw little, but then I talked to the ice cream auto a little fox um, cups and cones. So then I get to sell ice cream at a shop, so now I have to make a lot of ice cream. I'm at the shop, I'm gonna give most of it to the community resource center, also known as the CRC. The community resource center takes the money and buys things for other people so they can have a home like food, a coat, toys, bikes, things like that. I have a lot of stuff so I can get some of it away. Well, when we were thinking about what we could do with all of the money that Little Fox of Cups and Cones was going to let us have, we wanted to give it to people who needed it. And after talking about it, we thought that the Community Resource Center would help the most people, right? <laughs> all right. Well, the third part of what we want to multiply and be, we want to be a home for the lost and wandering, a place where anyone can belong before they believe. We want to be a family of disciples who are being transformed by the good news. And finally, we want to be a movement of people who are blessing the neighborhoods in which we live, work, and play. And, and so we're blessing to where we are, where we live, work, and play. That means that we believe as the good news transforms us and changes us, that's good news for the people who you live next to. That's good news for the people you work with. It's good news for your relationships and your marriage with your kids. As we're transformed, this is good news. We want to be a blessing. God didn't say, hey, I want to make you guys just have this cool community country club and just make sure your church buildings are beautiful, although I thank God for new paint, right? But anyway, so he, he still, he's not saying make everything about you. He says, I placed you here for a purpose. And so our vision is that we, are, we want to be a movement of people who are blessing, we're blessing everywhere we go. And we even see this campus. We're so grateful that a church that before us, all the way back in the 1950s, bought this plot of land next to a road that wasn't I-5 at the time. It was a road that went, you know, north to some other foreign land called Orange County, L.A., and unfortunately, the road's still there. We, we were hoping it could get blocked and then we'd keep up. Yeah, mind. So anyway, so, but someone had vision to buy this plot of land. And 30-some years ago, Seacoast was able to be a part, or get this property and grow and be a part of this probably most prime location in the area. So we look at this and say, oh, wow, that's cool for us, right? We want it to be cool for our city. And so that's why we even use our campus as a blessing to the city. Why we invest our time in places like the Community Resource Center, the Food Bank. We have uh, many of our Seacoast people volunteer there. Why we do tutoring at Ocean Knoll Elementary School, as well as right here on our campus, we tutor English language learners through a ministry called Casa de Amistad. Why we, um, when Sunset High School needs a building for graduation for any big event, we say, use ours. You can use it for free. God has given it to us. We give it to you. Because we want to be a blessing. We want to give back. And that's the purpose of why we have this. Even this, this building is used six days a week for recovery groups in the community. Not all of them are recovery groups that we lead. There's a lot of groups from the outside that use our facilities. And pre-COVID, there'd be over 200 people here every week in recovery groups. We want to offer that to the community to be a blessing. God has blessed us, so we want to use it to give to others. 
verse to back this up, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God pre- prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. We believe that God's invited us to walk in these. And it's not just here locally. This is also the, our partners around the globe. We do support uh, global missionaries as they, a lot of them are involved in church planting and things like that. We want the same DNA. Many of them are working on things like micro development and how can they bless their communities where they are. So this is what we believe is a part of who we are. Here's the future picture, what we have a dream for, and this is just this year, it's gonna grow each year, is this. We wanna give 10,000 community service hours to our uh, community every year. So right now, here's the challenge for each of you. Would you commit to volunteering somewhere in the community two hours a month for the year? That's nothing. If we do two hours a month for the year, we'll actually blow that number away. And do it in the name of, as a person transformed by Jesus, we want to give back to our community. Two hours a month. That's what we're inviting you to. And we're, we want to track that and say, as a church, what if we bless our community in that way? So we'll, we'll be giving in the weeks ahead, you'll be hearing more and more things like that. So here's uh, one last thing that we're going to do, a, a challenge for you as we hear of all of this. So here's some challenges moving forward. So I have this for you up here. I think I put it up there for you, some challenges. Here's your challenge. We want you to pray for the church. We want you to pray for five people who do not know Jesus. If everyone in Seacoast commits to praying for five people who do not yet know Jesus, what do you think is gonna happen? Do you think that 500 new decisions for Christ is a reachable number? I believe that it really is. So what if we all committed to praying for five people who did not know, yet know Jesus? Look for ways to bless them. Now you say, well, come on, people aren't projects. These people are not your project. They're God's project, and he's put you in their lives. Okay? That's the way it goes. I'm grateful that I, in high school, had friends who saw me and said, this kid needs to know Jesus. I'm grateful for them. So pray for five people. Here's another one. Connect. Connect and in, in, in get involved this would be get involved in a group, connect in a service like this. I would, and then serve. Find somewhere to use your gifts and passions to, in the ministry of Seacoast. Invite you to use your gifts. Be involved somewhere. And then finally, bless. Be a blessing. Give those two hours a, a month. Be a blessing to your neighbors. Be a blessing wherever you go. We're going to end our time here in just a moment. I want to show you just one little video because one of our partners in inner city LA, uh, the Norris family, uh, they work in inner city LA and through some of your gifts and some of your support, we're able to take place in this ministry. That's a blessing in their community, helping uh, families, not only blessing them as a movement, but also introduce them to Christ. So take a look at this as we entered. Father God, you don't change and then stop working. We know families are hurting. People are unemployed. This is a small act of love to provide some needed school supplies. But this, I'm praying that it'll put a smile on their face and it'll even push them to study more, to do their homework and to do something. So thank you so much, crew. My name is Yvonne Lopez. Hi, 
My name is Dina Martinez and I'm the co-director here for Inner City LA and Destino. Today we're doing a power pack. Trusting God people will feel cared for and loved through this service that they see that the church sees them and knows them. The children need this so much and this is going to be a huge blessing for them. God has provided 1,012 backpacks going out through 16 inner city church partners. They're going to be using them for outreach in their communities. Last year we had um, several youth centers that had new kids and families come for the first time because of this outreach and those kids now are following Jesus. These families are following Jesus and they're continuing to live out being disciples of Christ in and through their church. And so we know God uses this outreach to, to bring people to Him. My name is Scott Yetter. I'm the pastor of the First Evangelical Free Church in Los Angeles. But one of the things that we, we share with folks is that poverty is not so much about a lack of resources as it is about a lack of supportive relationships. And when you provide a backpack for someone, it's a way of communicating, hey, you have supportive relationships. You have people who have your back. There's people in this community that love and care about you. And hopefully as we do that, it also points to the love and care of God our Father. And we saw people get, get prayed for and, and tears coming down their eyes because they realized that you know, there's someone who really supports me, there's someone who really cares about me. This provided us the opportunity to give backpacks to really about 100 families that really needed it. And I wanna encourage you, whatever you have, a little or a lot, God can use that to communicate how much He loves people around you. So let God use you to multiply and to touch lives. Awesome. Are you guys excited? Yeah. I hope you are because I'm up here representing the elder board and I have to tell you the elder board is excited about where we're going. I mean, the next year, the next five years, it is exciting stuff. Now, I'm going to ask for a little class participation. I want you to repeat after me. Pray. Pray. Connect. Connect. Serve. Bless. Let's write that down. Let's put it on our refrigerators. Let's pray that we remember to pray. This is great stuff. This is exciting. And uh, I want to take a second and just thank our finance committee. They do such a great job putting this budget together. And yes, this is the business part of our meeting. But they do such a great job, and I want to thank them. And if anybody loves finance and wants to get involved in that, I'm sure that they can always take some more volunteers. So that is my plug for them. As an elder board, we are 100% bought into this budget, not because it's about finances, but it really is because it's about the vision and the, and the future of Seacoast, where we think God is leading us. So. 
We 100% affirm and support this budget and the vision. We're gonna ask you guys to participate a little bit. People ask, why do we need to be members to participate? So there's a couple ways. We're gonna vote on our budget and we can do that in a couple ways. You can go to respond.church and vote online. You can actually do that right now if you wanted to, or there are some paper uh, ballots in the back. You can fill those out and put them in the offering box, put them in the offering box. So uh, I think that's all I have. So take it away. Thank you so much for being here today. I know it's an unusual Sunday and we could really have, you know, we could have made this two or three hours because there's a lot we want to talk about, a lot that we really believe God is inviting us into. In fact, if you did not get one of these on the way in, this is your annual shareholders report. <laughs> the reason I say that is actually it is, it has everything, all, a lot of our ministries, things that we're doing, things we're coming, moving forward towards. But here's the thing. When we talk about that, we actually are serious. This is how are we investing and what do we believe God wants to do with our investment? It's not so we get a return and a bigger retirement, but this is the kingdom of God that's advancing. We're reclaiming God's creation, the brokenness, and being a part of what he's doing. So we'd love to have you with us. We're so glad to have you here this morning. Um, one last thing, one last challenge to think about. We're doing something we kind of never done this year. Uh, this Friday, uh, I think starting at 7 a.m., 7 or 8, 7 a.m., I should know these things, but as a lead pastor, sometimes I don't know everything. So somebody knows, but yeah, from 7 o'clock this Friday to 7 o'clock Saturday morning, we're opening this space for 24 hours of prayer, and you can go on respond.church and sign up for a time slot. Yes, there will be a 2, a 2 a.m. time slot. Some of our young adults, when you're on your way home, stop by, pray, uh, and... and uh, but we're going to open it up, and we're going to start off our new budget year, our new fiscal year, our new vision, and say, let's bathe it in prayer. So look for that on respond.church, and uh, we invite you to sign up. Those of you who don't mind the middle of the night, take the middle of the night shifts, and uh, we're going to have uh, stations around here where you can just pray about what we believe God's providing us to, and, and you won't be alone. There'll be other people here, so um, that's coming up, so look for a way to sign up for that, and as always, we are so grateful for all of you. This is not about the staff or elders. This is about you and what God's doing through you. So thank you for being a part of Seacoast. Uh, if you're a regular uh, or a member, all, we're, all of you are invited to participate in the budget affirmation vote. Um, whether you're a member or not, we want to hear from you either way. And this is our spiritual act of worship and saying, God, we're in. We want to we be a part of what you're doing. So thanks for being here. Have a great week. Say hello to one another. And uh, let's be a community of love and grace. And see you next week. Thanks for being here.